0: I don't know if I've ever told you that the first ten years of uh, of my ministry was uh, in youth ministry. I was a youth pastor in Southern California for uh, for all those years, and uh, that that accounts probably for my gray hair, uh, you know, uh, a few broken bones, love of pizza, uh, and and a great deal of respect for a a generation that uh, many of whom. Uh, follow Christ and pursue Him with their whole hearts. And uh, it has given me a, a, a passion to pursue, pursue God. Uh, and and I, I look back on those days and am, and am grateful. And I, I look back on those days and I, I'm also very, very cognizant of the fact that I, I, I saw God move. In, in some amazing and, and very actually interesting ways. Here's one of them. Uh, if you have been around here for a while, you know that from time to time, I'll, they, they, they get desperate and they have to strap on a guitar and lead worship, and then they find you know, the real worship leaders and guys like me just kind of move off to the side. But I've, I've sort of always played guitar, mostly around campfires at the beach and that kind of thing. Well, one one day, uh, I went back into the youth center where our church was and went to get my guitar to take it home after a morning service, and it was gone. And I noticed that all the other guitars were gone, and and a variety of other uh, instruments and and technical equipment is all gone, stolen. And, uh, you know, you, you just cry a little, you sigh a little, and you move on. Well, three years later, I get a phone call. This is uh, Joe, you don't remember me, I, I went to your youth group for a few years, uh, and I, I just want you to know, I, I stole your guitar, and I stole all the other guitars, me and my friends, we had come to your youth group, and kind of scoping it out, and uh, you had a lot of good stuff, and I just wanted you to know, uh, I still have it, I, I gave my life to Jesus last year, and I used it in a worship band. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted to just let him keep it. Uh, I didn't. (laughs) We met a few weeks later, and I got this guitar back. And I I was able to watch, you know, the the transformation of a thief. (laughs) He gave it back to me, and with a tear in his eye, he said, "Uh, those were not good days for me. Jesus has changed my life, and I'm really sorry. All right, I'll take that. Well, uh, another one was, was sort of similar. It's a few years later, and uh, one morning, Janet and I woke up to find a, a, a very interesting set of tire tracks all through our front yard. Um, I, they were pretty wide, so I figured it was somebody with a big truck, maybe, and uh, it was pretty deep. Uh, it was, you know, it was somebody that just had a joy ride across our front lawn. Um, Not a good day, I was not too pleased by that, you know, I mean there's sprinkler heads in there and all sorts of other stuff and some of them are broken and and I woke up and water was, you know, spewing out and everything and you uh, cry a little, sigh a little, fix it and move on. Uh, About 15 years later, I get a phone call, we were in Salem, Steve Schuyler, I remembered him. He was in one of my Bible studies. He said, Do you remember that time I was dating that girl and you said to me, I don't know if that's such a good idea for you. Some of the things that I'm seeing happen in your life, you're, you're, I, I, I saw you, I, I'm seeing you pull away from, from Bible study and I haven't seen youth group as much. And Just not really sure if this is a good relationship for you. Would would you just sort of, you know, would you pray with me about this and consider this? And first time I said it to him, he sort of said, yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, I I guess I sort of got on his nerves, and and he left youth group in his senior year. Steve, I don't know if you know, but I drove over your lawn my senior year because I was so mad at you. And I put a check in the mail to pay you back for all the damage that I did because that wasn't right. God got a hold of my life a couple years ago. I got married and, you know, I have kids of my own and one day I may have to say those same words and I am really sorry. Okay, I'll take that. Well, there was another experience that I had that was also life-changing. I just didn't expect that it would be Mine. Phone call. Get a lot of phone calls like this. Steve, this is Coach Trimmer. Ah, hi, Coach. Steve, I'd like to have you over for lunch this afternoon. Coach Trimmer, see, was the governing board chairman at the church. And uh, I I thought he was very appropriately named Coach Trimmer because he was sort of known for, like, mowing guys down at practice, you know, if they weren't quite doing what he needed them to do. And... And uh, as I was driving over, I was rifling through my head, you know, what could I possibly have gotten myself in trouble over? This must just be a a great social time here. Well, when I sat down, I could see in his face this was not going to be just another social gathering, and he said, Steve, I have a couple things I want to say to you. I don't really know how to get into this, so I'm just going to say it straight. Did you know you have authority issues in your life? The ticker take tape of, of, of mental images and the words that came across my brain at that moment were something like this, how dare you say that to me, who do you think, <laughs> and just about the middle of that phrase, it's one of those Holy Spirit moments, you are, <laughs> this is your boss. Any of you have authority issues? How many of us would we honestly say, there's someone in my life, even right now, maybe it's a, a teacher, and you feel like they've just piled it on, and, and how am I going to get all this done before the end of the, and, and, you know, and, they, and, they, and they explain, they have these lectures, and I don't understand, and then they give me more work, and and. You just don't know if you can stand another day of it. I'm going to revolt. You have this boss walked into your office and they said, uh, I, I want you to take on this project. And you're thinking in the back of your mind, well, I, I've already got a couple of projects. I can't, I can't fit all those projects in now and you're asking me to do another? So your mom, was after school, came into your into your bedroom and said, "Uh, didn't I ask you to clean up your room? It doesn't look very clean to me. (laughs) Authority issues. That place in our lives (laughs) where the words that go across our brain typically are something like, do you know who I am? (laughs) Why would I need to do that? That 35-mile-an-hour that posting, that, that's certainly not for people like me. You know, in my family, it's a seven-mile-over-the-limit rule. Authority issues. We all struggle with it. The scriptures say this, Psalm 30. These are descriptions of this root of insubordination that seems to... It seems to just be so insidious in all of our lives. Some people curse their father and, their, and do not thank their mother. And, and, and this, is so, this is how it sort of plays out. It's, it's because they think they're right in their own eyes. Be careful, kids. Be careful, grown children. Be careful when we treat our parents disrespectful ways. It's typically a sign of some kind of problem in our own lives, isn't it? Romans 3.10, the book that we're studying now. You might remember this passage. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. No one does good. And then Romans 10, we read, refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. Even in seeking God, we have this tendency of saying, I'll do it my way. Thank you. Well, in our passage today, see, first century believers, first century followers of Christ had their own authority issues. I want to take a look at some of those issues today, and and my prayer for us has been for those of us struggling with people in authority in our lives, there'd be a challenge. There'd be a willingness on our part to examine ourselves and say, Father, I... I want to be a part of this transforming work Susan talked about so well last night. I want to be a part of, I want to be in the living room and and sit down with you and allow you to change my heart. And I just have to admit to you today that I had to pray earlier this week, Lord, let it begin in me. And my prayer is that you would say that same thing. Let it begin in me. So I'm going to ask you if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Sorry, I don't know what the page is in the blue Bible. If somebody has it, just call it out. Romans chapter 13. 1396, thanks, Brian. 1796, turn there, thanks, Brian, and then uh, why don't you stand with me? In honor of God and his word, I'm gonna read Romans 13, verse one. Everyone must submit to governing authorities All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Well, then do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Would you pray with me? And right there in the quietness of your own space, would you take a moment and say, God, if you have a word for me, I'm listening. Would you just say that into his, say that to the spirit this morning. God, if you have a word for me, regarding authority issues in my life, I am listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. The big idea for my message this morning, the main point, the driving theme of my message this morning is this. Unresolved issues with authority will short-circuit God's work in our lives. Let me repeat that. Unresolved issues with people in authority will short-circuit God's work in our lives. If you've been with us for the last several months, you know that we've been in the book of Romans, and we started discussing many of these themes. Romans 1 to 11 is an amazing Amazing set of of, of teachings and scriptures that focus on the the power of the gospel in our lives to justify us or make us right before God. Chapters 1 to 11. Chapters 12 to 15, we call it moving from the the courtroom where we have been declared guilty for our sin and then uh, declared uh, righteous because of Christ. Now chapters 12 to 15 as Susan said last week, so well, it's sort of the so how now then do we live? It's the application of Romans 1 to 11. And as we're diving in this morning, I, I want to just give you a little bit of the historical background. First century believers would have definitely had authority issues. See, in, in the first century the uh, the romans were in in, uh, in 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 rule they were ruling over much of the known world and certainly much of the middle east and at that time they allowed jewish people to worship in certain geographic locations when christ came and his followers began to form and the church formed the, the early christians were sort of grandfathered in with the Jewish race and they could worship in certain specific geographic locations. The problem was, at least from the view of Rome, as the the Christian nation or the Christian church began to flourish and grow and as the uh, disciples and apostles got bolder, we see this in in the book of Acts, and the gospel began to spread. Rome took this very seriously. And where they were initially cool to neutral to to the the early Christians, they became uh, very hostile. And we'll see here in just a bit, even to the point of imprisonment for being a follower of Christ, even death. So the first century Roman believers were in this struggle. Do we align our allegiances with Christ Do we align our allegiances with Rome? Can there be a compromise? Which takes us to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Now here's how I'd like to set this up. Here's how I'd like to look at this chapter. I I see in this chapter, I'm, I'm calling it three paradigm shifts that we must seriously consider in our response to authority. Three critical paradigm shifts that I feel we must consider as followers of Christ in the way we respond to authority, all right? Three paradigm shifts. So let's look at the first one. I call it the shift from submission to surrender. The shift from submission to surrender. What do I mean by that? Let's look at verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has established. And here's the first authority issue that I I believe Paul is, is, is discussing and focusing on. Resistance of human authority indicates that we have not yet fully surrendered to God. See, it's an indication that our hearts are not yet fully committed to God. Now, how can I say that? Well, 1 Peter 2, verse 13 puts it this way. I don't have it on the board, but I'll just read it for you. Peter says this, Be subject to to every human institution for the Lord's sake. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject to every human institution for his sake. What's at stake here is the God of the universe. See, there have been many things that have been established by God. We know from Psalm 103, it says... Uh, I I think it's verse 19. It says, my eternal throne, or his eternal throne, has been established in the heavens. God's sovereignty has been established. The church has been established. We know that from Matthew 16 when Peter said, upon this rock, or, or God said to, Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, your confession, Peter, of me, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church has been, has been established. We know, that, we know that the institution of marriage has been established by God. He, he established in Genesis chapter two and chapter three, and, and then he says, Jesus in Matthew 19, what God has joined together, let no man separate. It's a very serious thing. It's a very serious thing, these institutions that have been established by God. And then here, in Romans 13, We read these words, all authority, speaking of governing authority, it is directly from God, been placed there by God. And when we rebel, when we resist human authority in our lives, we in fact are resisting against God himself. Now, Question may be floating around in your mind as it was in my mind earlier this week. Every human institution? What, what about bad government? What about evil dictators and evil rulers? Does that question ever come to your mind when you look at this at this text? What about people like Hitler, Stalin? What about the genocides in Cambodia with with Pol Pot and Cameroon and Sudan under Assan Tarabi, Darfur, Somalia, Rwanda, Iran. I was in a country two years ago. Some of you perhaps have been there. I was in a city where a majority of the population of, of an entire city had been gassed. A genocide of an entire city. I remember walking through a museum. And asking myself the question, surely, God, you Romans 13 wouldn't apply to this, would it? You didn't establish these types of rulers, did you? Well, I want you to see some verses from Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 4 to give us a bit of perspective. Daniel 2:21 says, This, he, God controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up other kings. Daniel 4:17. The most high God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. He gives them to any one he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of men. What we we couldn't possibly pretend to to understand, is what would his purposes be for raising up, for raising up evil leaders, and raising up good leaders? What could his purposes possibly be? But we do know this there is no king who has ever ruled, there is no leader who has ever led, there is no prince who has ever sat on a throne who was not placed there by God. Andy Stanley, one of my favorite Bible teachers, says this. Here's what the Bible teaches. God established human authority. Good human authority, bad human authority. Righteous human authority, unrighteous human authority. Believing and unbelieving. God works through human authority. Either now or in the future. That's how he exercises his will. See, we just don't have the privilege of knowing what the future holds. We don't always know what his purposes will be. But we know that human authority has been established by God, and resistance of it is resisting God himself. Shift number one from submission, saying, I will submit myself to human authority, to shift from submission to surrender, because I'm surrendered to you, almighty God. Shift number two. I call it from authority to alignment. From authority to alignment. Let's look at the text again as I explain. Verse four, we read, the authorities, human governing authorities, are God's servants sent for your good. If you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. The issue, I think, that's, that's at play here is this. Resisting human authority, it not only indicates that we have not fully surrendered ourselves to God, but resisting human authority, it undermines the very purposes Of God. See, in these verses four and five, we read governing authorities were sent for this very purpose to punish evil, promote good. I have sent human authorities, governing authorities, for these primary purposes, saith the Lord. Punishing evil, promoting good. Now, by the way, you, you're probably not used to seeing the word servants, perhaps, attached to governing authorities. Now, there are many in our, in our government here in, in Oregon, some that go to this church, that I would certainly attach the word servants. Your, your hearts are, 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 you're servant-hearted in what you do. But, but there's a bigger meaning here. This is the same word in the New Testament that is used for the word deacon diakonos, meaning uh, essentially a minister, a minister accomplishing God's purposes. God looks at governing authorities. If you are a servant here, of if you're a, a worker in state government, police officer, if you're anyone in authority that's been established by state, federal, local, the word of God tells us, you are carrying out his purposes. Just as I do in the church and others in leadership here, we carry out his purposes within the four walls of the church and extending in his kingdom out to the, the community. You are an agent of God in his purposes. Who is the sender? Says they've been sent for good, it's God. What is his ultimate purpose? Punishing of evil, promoting of good. There might be another question that's been rattling around in your mind since we began this discussion of Romans 13. All right, I understand it. All rulers have been set up by God, but tell me, there must be some exceptions to this. Do we have to obey every time? Is there ever a situation where a a principle, an idea, a, a thought from God would sort of trump Trump this submission to government. Let's just agree together as we launch into that question. These are difficult issues, yes? But let's also agree together that God's word is clear. There are times when it would appear instruction from the word is clearly in this direction. And then there are times when it would appear, well, on the very same issue, the instruction from God is in this direction. So which is it? Let's see if we can bring some things together on this topic of civil disobedience. Acts chapter 5, you might remember the story. This is now a beginning of the early church. As I said earlier in the message, there was a time when speaking out in the name of Christ was tolerated. Under Roman rule, in Acts chapter five, that time was over. Peter and John, the story, if you read the entire chapter, you find that Peter and John have been tossed into jail. They've been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. One of the Roman jailers comes to Peter and says, didn't we tell you never again to teach in his name? Look at the response from Peter. We must obey God rather than any human authority. Wait a minute, I thought you said that we must submit to human authority. I did. And now you're saying, there are times when submitting to human authority would be outside the will of God. Yes. In principle form, let me say it this way. When the laws of man violate the commands of God, we must obey God. Let me repeat that. When the laws of man violate the commands of God, we must obey God. But now let's get real. Have any of you been asked to violate any laws of God lately? Have any of you been asked to not speak in his name lately? Have any of us been been forbidden from worshiping as we choose Obeying the commandments of God as they've been laid out in the word and as you understand them, I doubt it. I know that's happening around the world but it's not happening here, at least not anything that's surfaced lately. Friends, until that does, we are bound. We must submit to the authorities that God has placed before us. When the day comes, the law of God's been violated, let's talk about it then. Until then. Until then. Authorities have been placed in our lives. We must submit. Shift number three. I call this from punishment to peace of mind. From punishment to peace of mind. Verse three says, for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. So your mom She comes into your room after you've cleaned it up. You shoved a bunch of stuff under the bed and you kicked a bunch of stuff in the the closet and you chucked a few things out the window and you take off for your best friend's house down the street. She walks in and she says, Johnny, this doesn't look like much of a cleaning to me. So not only do you have the privilege of cleaning your room well, But you can go in the backyard and pick up all the dog poop. And when that's done, then you need to go in the laundry room and fold a few clothes and then talk to me about your situation. (laughs) See, if we just do it right the first time, then you could walk back in the house, look at your mom in the eye and say, how you doing, mom? Isn't it a great day? She gives you a hug and you take off of your buddy's house and instead, you're in the backyard shoveling manure. You know the best way to get a good night's sleep? Do the right thing. I had a friend in college, uh, one of my best buddies, talked to him a while back. He actually played, um, he was a cornerback at the college I went to and actually played for the Chicago Bears. Just a great guy and a great athlete, follower of Christ. And uh, we were in college, and he said to me one day, He said, Hey, Steve, I got to tell you about something that happened to me the other day. I had some guys in my class came up to me, and they said, uh, they said Hey, Reuben, his name was Reuben Henderson. Hey, Reuben. Hey, we're going out uh, tonight. We're going to a party, going to the bars. You want to come, to a, come with us? And Reuben said, ah, thanks for the invitation. Not going to be able to make it tonight. Okay, yeah. You're a Christian, right? Yep, I am. I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Okay, that's right. You, you, can't, you, can't do, you can't do that kind of stuff. And we forgot. We won't ask you anymore. And my friend Reuben said to me, you know, I had to think about that for a second. How was I going to respond to this? He said, I had one of those Holy Spirit moments. He thought about it, and he looked at the guys, and he said, well, you know what? I, I can do all those things. I, I-, I could go with you. I- I'm, not- I'm not busy tonight, and furthermore, I have the freedom to do it. I choose not to. I don't have to do that stuff to get acceptance from my friends or to, to-, to appear like-, like I'm one of the guys. I don't have to do any of that stuff. See, living in the living room says we can do right. We don't have to break laws because it's cool. We don't have to disobey, disobey our parents because that's what everybody else is doing. We don't have to break the laws because we're so self-indulgent. Because we haven't been transformed. Yes, we, we are being transformed We can do better. In his power, we can do what's right. And when we do, the scriptures say, the the scriptures say, would you like to live without fear? Would you like to live without broken relationships? Would you like to have sleepful nights? Would you like to live in a way where the authority figures in your life our agents of peace. Now I recognize in a in many of our lives it's not that simple. I, re, I recognize that that many of us or people that we know have broken laws and paid dearly for it. And I also recognize that part of the transforming work that happens in our lives sort of this upside-down world that Susan was talking about last week, the Spirit of God all of a sudden begins to show us, wait a minute, that just doesn't pay. It certainly doesn't please God. I have a better way. Shift number one, from not just merely submission, but to surrendering, all of us, all of ourselves to God. Shift number two, not just acknowledging authority, but aligning ourselves with the purposes of God. Shift number three, not just escaping punishment, but receiving the peace of God. Sleep at night. Peace with with those in authority over us. So let me ask you, any of you struggling with authority issues? Any of you in resistance, even rebellion, against someone in your life that God has placed there, a boss, a teacher, a parent, co-worker perhaps that's been assigned over you for temporary purposes? You see, Evidence of a transformed life. Proof positive that God is working in our lives. It will result, submission to the authority that God has placed.